Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. This is where you come when you are lost, when you feel that you are never going to find the place. You go to the first place, the first country, to her net curtains and her singular food, to her safe and open door. You lie down, you eat, you listen to her, and you know that this house will not fall down. This house is sturdy and is made of bricks, and the wolf will not come and blow it down. Diana Evans, Ordinary People. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Morgan Thomason. Morgan is the designer behind Winsome Paper, a whimsical stationery brand. We met last year while on Tish Oxenreiter's Literary London trip, and Morgan happens to be one of the most well-traveled people I've ever met, so she's the perfect co-host to help me tackle a suggestion from a podcast listener. Hi, Morgan. Hey, this is so fun. I can't believe we're doing this. This It's literally the best. I can't wait. We're recording on the one-year anniversary of our friendship. I was going to say London trip, but our friendship is more important than the trip. Happy friend anniversary. Here we are. I know. It's so exciting. In fact, it's so exciting. We are going to record a bonus episode for Patreon listeners where we're going to recap our literary London trip. I can't wait. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. Okay, so I asked you to join me on the podcast today because of an email I got from a listener. I'm going to read that, um, and then we're kind of going to dive into some travel book recommendations. This is from Kim. Kim says, I'm a podcast listener from Israel. Also, what? Thank you, Kim, for listening from so far away. I've loved the podcast for a long time. I was a listener who requested a journalism-themed episode. Thank you so much. That was a great episode back in the day. And I have another episode request this time, vacation theme. So many of us are stuck at home dealing with everything this pandemic has brought. Since we can't travel, I'd love to travel vicariously through books, camping, lake house, exotic locations, honeymoon destinations, whatever. Just figuratively get me out of here. (laughs) Thanks, Kim. Are we all Kim? I am Kim. 100%. Hi, I'm Kim. (laughs) I am, I wrote in my journal today, this is very vulnerable, but I wrote in my journal today that I feel like crying all the time, which is super healthy. But I think it's because, I mean, for so many reasons, there is a lot happening in the world and in our country. But then underneath all of that is also just the personal loss of plans or of seeing the people we love or of traveling. And you in particular travel an awful lot. So I guess my first question for you is, how are you? You doing okay? Thank you for asking about this really hard time for me where I'm not <laughs> traveling internationally. It's been really difficult. I I mean, there, there's the grief of disappointment and missed plans and all the things, but I think not being able to travel has really shown me kind of what travel does for just my life and my heart. And mm. and there's just such a like a reprieve and a discovery of myself that kind of happens when I travel. Yeah. But that's what I'm really missing. Like, it's like, I like to go and I like to eat and I like to explore, I guess. But mm-hmm. mostly I miss just the feeling myself that comes when I travel. I think that's the, that's the saddest part. Like, yeah. Here am I. I'm home. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. I th- I think for me, you know, it helps me, I think, run my business better. I think it helps me take a deep breath. And I feel like I um, have spent the last, I don't know, 
I don't know, four months, three months, just kind of go, go, going. And sadly, I've tried to implement moments of rest and quiet at my house. And I think I've done that somewhat successfully. But there is something about going somewhere else and the physical act of changing your location that I really, really miss. Yes, me too. Okay, so we're going to kind of go back and forth with some book recommendations. You have come up with these really lovely descriptions for yours. And then I kind of found my books based on place. So based on where you might want to travel or where you wish you were going this summer. So I think you should go first and tell like the basic description and then the book you're recommending based on that description. Okay, great. Okay, so I meant to go back and make these descriptors more concise (laughs) very like wordy and lengthy so just I love them whatever you know (laughs) the first one is I called it a book for the loved one listener I don't know what that means (laughs) but (laughs) the choice was 84 Charing Crossroad I don't know if I'm saying it right Charing Charing that's right Charing thank you by Helene Hanf and I read this I think it was literally on the flight back from literary London last year and just cried like the entire time. But it is this beautiful correspondence between an American writer living in New York City in the 1940s. And she's writing to this tiny bookstore in London. And the same man takes like all of her letters and sends her all of the antique books that she's looking for, like first editions. Mm. And they keep and so it's just her asking for books and then they start to get to know each other. And then it's, it turns into this 30 year correspondence between this tiny bookshelf or like bookstore, like the bookshelf mm-hmm. and, uh, and this American woman who is just like wanting beautiful books. And it's so charming and so lovely. And the feeling I get when I'm reading it is like, I'm actually in London. Like it feels very English. how they respond to her so deeply politely and (laughs) like everything about it is so like polite and tender and she's more brash and like American and it's just this hilarious kind of like coming together of these two people from different cultures essentially and so I love it it literally feels like you're actually in England to be reading this book it's lovely yeah I so I listened to this on audiobook, I want to say. And I listened to it like you on the flight back from London. And then for a couple hours, I think on like, you know, finding myself back at home. And I also cried while reading it because who wouldn't after the experience we had just had, but I had never thought about You're right. It definitely feels British. It's kind of a quiet, yeah, polite little book. And you do feel like you're there. It's she encapsulates, well, and I guess it's both Helene Hamp and then also the bookstore owner she's writing, like encapsulate the culture of England so perfectly. It's really lovely. It's beautiful. Yes. And it's very short. And so a lot of time <laughs> you can eat it in one bite. It's like literally, I mean, you could read it on the flight, like finish it. And so it's, yeah, yeah you can get, get to England quick by reading that book. And don't you have another title if somebody maybe has read 84 Charing Cross already and they want like a comparable title? Yes. The second one that feels similar just because of the correspondence is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which, yes, I mean, has I hate that title so much. But so yes. Wordy. Whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa. But yes, it's 
that it feels the same that correspondence the um time in which it's written like the era in which they're living it's written in letter form both of those are there's something so intimate about <laughs> and a little creepy but i feel fine about it about reading other people's <laughs> letters like it's like i feel like i'm seeing like a really precious part of somebody by being able to read these actual letters like Helene Hans are real life letters that she sent, but then in Guernsey it's obviously fictional, but kind of feels mm-hmm. the same, even though it's yeah, yeah, not real. Yeah. So. I think it's because I don't know, writing a letter, I for me, writing is how I process things. And when I write a letter, I almost forget there's going to be a person on the receiving end of it, you know? Like, and so it winds up being this really personal, intimate thing. And so when you're reading books that are kind of in this epistolary format I think it really does open you up to them in a in a really sweet way yeah I'm gonna do my London picks too then because obviously that was on the top of my mind so if you're if you're wishing you were in London this summer I have two recommendations one is Ordinary People by Diana Evans I read a quote from that book at the top of the episode this is a book I picked up in London I always try to buy books kind of set in the place I'm going because I own a bookstore. And so sometimes I have to explain to myself why I'm buying books when I could just buy them at my house or buy buy them at my house, buy them at my other house, AKA the bookshelf. So Ordinary People by Diana Evans. She kind of in a, I think pretty, I won't say famous, but kind of bookish famous interview talked about how she really wanted to write about the middle-class lives of black, British people. And so Ordinary People is exactly that. It kind of starts at an inauguration party for Barack Obama set in London and then travels to kind of follows this married couple through the next year or two of their marriage and their lives. So it's really an interesting look at just a marriage and a relationship. And then if you want to go a little more PG-13, Queenie by Candace Carty-Williams. Have you read that? Have you read either of these? I haven't. So Queenie... I listened to part of Queenie. I have not read the whole thing, but it is supposed to be, I think it was pitched as like Americana meets Bridget Jones diary. And so that I think that's a great pitch and it is very funny, very snarky told in like this first person narrative. And, but just go in knowing like we were listening to it as an audiobook club, uh, I think last summer. And it's just very PG 13, very British Bridget Jones diary. So just go into it knowing that's what you're getting. But I thought uh, these would be fun to make you feel like you're in, like you're in London. What you got next? Okay. So my next theme is a book for the therapeutic traveler. And I think that's, (laughs) I've realized that's a lot of what I do. Like when I'm going to another country, like, I'm usually bringing something with me about my life or about myself or like chewing on something or something. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to struggle to say, how did I manage to pick two books that I don't actually know how to say the titles of those two books? (laughs) (laughs) You would have thought that I would have thought that through, but here we are. (laughs) Okay. So this one is David Leibovitz's second book and it's, I'm going to just butcher it. Just do it. Apart? That's French for apartment. I don't know. (laughs) And I learned that like while reading the book, I had no idea. But he is an American uh, chef working and living in Paris. He's lived there for 10 years. And I love this book because it's so deeply French. I love it because he, okay, so I go to France to eat (laughs) and to 
be nourished by all of their beautiful things. Like, I feel like in America, we have these huge conglomerate stores that sell all the, all the things we need. Right. Where in France, it's like, no, no, we're going to go to the soap store. We're going to buy <laughs> soap and we're going to go to the cookie store and we're going to know the man that makes our cookies. And we're going to like invite him to our Christmas parties. Like there's something so they know their people and who is making their goods and making their food and, and it's all in their neighborhood. And he, this book really talks about just like the neighborhood feel of France. It feels very French to read this book or it feels very Parisian. I don't know Mm -hmm. um, if it feels like the whole of France. I don't know if I can actually say that, but (laughs) there's just, he talks about how he bought an apartment in France and all the bureaucracy around that and how the French deal with just the weeds of details basically. And, uh, but that he wanted to be in certain neighborhoods because of how he wanted to eat. Mm. And I loved the thought of like choosing where I live based on like nourishment. And yeah, there was something so European, I think feeling about that. Yeah. It was almost like I could close, cause I listened to this on audiobook. It's like, I could close my eyes and it was like, if I just had like a cafe au lait and like a macaron in my hand, like, could I act like I'm in France right now? And this book really <laughs> helps. It's like, I could, it's like a time machine. I could get there. That's why I love books. And I think that's exactly why Kim wanted recommendations, because I think we, so many of us just wish that we could close our eyes and maybe be somewhere else just for a minute. And books help us do that. So I think that's a great totally recommendation. And he's like ridiculously funny. I think that helps too. Like he's so light and fun about just the clash of cultures that goes on with him constantly, even after all this time. And so his narration reminds me of David Sedaris. Does that ring true to you? So much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's like very snarky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The absurdity of things like he's here yeah. for that. But yeah. I loved it. What about if you've already read love, Lepart, do you think that's how we pronounce it? (laughs) What if you've already read that word? What's a a backup book? Um, And my backup book is The 100-Foot Journey. Oh my gosh, I forgot that was a book. I I loved the movie so much. The movie is beautiful, a must. I mean, everyone should just go home and just watch it right now. We can feel like you're traveling immediately. Yeah. I love, it's just beautiful. It's, I mean, about an Indian family that comes and, moves from London to this tiny French village and just about the clash of cultures going on there too. It's about food and it also just feels very French. I think it's the food thing. I think it's just in the particularness of it all and the attention to detail. It feels like when I'm in France, I feel really taken care of, like they're paying attention Mm. to the details and there's beauty and everything they're doing and that and the hundred foot journey feels like that too. Yeah. What a lesson for us. I wish whenever I come home from a place like that, I've never been to France, but whenever I come back, I'm always thinking like, how can I implement their ways of life here? Because I feel like they're doing something differently than what we're doing. And I, but I like the idea of paying attention to the details and yeah, taking care of people. Yeah. Okay. My European recommendations are, I've got three, The Vacationers by Emma Straub. This is a book I've recommended many, many times, but it is set on along the coast of Spain in Mallorca. It is very fun, dysfunctional family lit, but also dysfunctional family members that really like each other. So it doesn't feel hateful and mean. It feels kind and loving and like these people are figuring each other out. And often when you travel with your family, I feel like that 
that's, you know, those different parts of you kind of come out and up out of you. And so I love, I love the vacationers. I love how Emma Straub writes. So the vacationers, which is set in Mallorca, then beautiful ruins by Jess Walter or my brilliant friend by Elena Ferrante. Both of those speak to, I think the culture of Italy and they both are set beautiful ruins kind of goes back and forth between modern time. And also I think like the 1940s and kind of incorporates some Hollywood film culture. And then my brilliant friend is like historical fiction, but, but still, I don't know more about the people and the culture of Italy than it is about any historical events. And so I, those are two books where I very much felt transported. And it's like, you're saying where the book isn't just, I don't know, telling you about the place. It's also, I don't know, doing this thing with storytelling that makes you feel like you're there alongside these people. It was my favorite thing about my brilliant friend, which is very like kind of a tome to me in and of itself. But I, I felt transported. I felt like I was in this friend group and I was walking the streets of Italy and in beautiful ruins. I felt like I was along the coast. So those are my, those are my European picks. I love that. I love when a book makes you feel included. Yeah. Like I'm in on the like inside jokes and stuff. Like, yeah, it's a mark for me of a good book. Like I'm here. I'm a part of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What you got next? Okay. So the next theme is a book for the American adventurer because not everyone likes to travel internationally. (laughs) I do, but you know, some people might not be into that. My favorite book of all time that talks about just absurdity and and adventuring in America is A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. I oh, I've remember never read it. I've oh, never read it. It's so funny. I <laughs> I love Bill Bryson. Like when we have that discussion of like if you could only have five people at your table to eat dinner of all of mm-hmm. history, who would it be? Bill Bryson's like, I want him at my table. He's so well traveled. He's lived overseas. He's he's so precise with his observations of things. And his observations of people, like he just nails people. And it's the funniest. He's spot on almost every time. And it's about him and a longtime friend. They decide that they are going to walk the Appalachian Trail and just don't really count the cost before they jump in, which is, <laughs> ho- which is, will be my epitaph. She just, I was about to say, that sounds like, that sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> that is me. And so I love that they just have this huge undertaking and it just talks about him like buying a tent and buying shoes and being like, all right, let's do this thing. Sounds great. (laughs) And just the absurdity of what it means to walk across states. And, and it's super dangerous to undertake this essentially, which I didn't, because I'm the type of person I'm like, that sounds great. Maybe I'm going to do that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but hearing it an actual practice is just the most horrific and hilarious <laughs> thing ever. I remember I the copy I have is actually my dad's from probably 15 years ago. It's pretty old. I mean, I remember when my dad got I specifically remember my dad getting this book because my dad's a big hiker mm-hmm. and him reading it on like in his chair and just like cracking up. Like I have vivid memories oh. of him loving this book. Dad laughs are the best. Dad laughter. That's how you know this is yeah. a quality read. So yes, but it, it encapsulates everything about like our just or my inability to understand the ruggedness of where I live. Mm. And just to be like, this is fine. Like we're gonna go to the Grand Canyon and like just kind of maybe walk around a bit and 
it just feels very, I guess, American. (laughs) (laughs) Like his approach to just not understanding what he's getting himself into. Yeah, that does actually sound very American. If 84 Charing Cross encapsulates kind of the sensibilities of Great Britain, (laughs) going on a hike and buying a tent and thinking you're prepared sounds like the American (laughs) way. It's so funny. Because like that pioneering like spirit is there, but no like know-how. I can see at this point. (laughs) Hilarious. Okay, what's your second pick for that category? And then my second pick is The Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Oh, this is, is another book. Oh, this is a book I, w- I was going to read this year. Hunter and I were going to do it for a backlist book club because I've never read the whole thing, if you can believe it. It's so beautiful. And it it's obviously different. I mean, it's a much more serious and like thoughtful read mm-hmm. <laughs> what Bill Bryce is trying to do. <laughs> but I think their eye for precision and detail and observation feels very similar, even though she's coming at it from such a more serious and almost scientific way. Mm -hmm. I love Annie Dillard talking about the country I come from. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm, Like I need her to just like talk and talk and talk about where I've, where I come from be just because like, I don't know it the way she knows it. Yeah. And I remember reading that book for the first time and thinking like, Oh my gosh, is she talking about like my land? Like my, (laughs) like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She makes it beautiful. It's so beautiful. And so I think, especially in my younger years, I thought that like beauty was somewhere else Mm. that like America kind of got the short end of the stick, (laughs) which is just (laughs) not true. That's just me living in suburbia. (laughs) But I think like Annie Dillard has this way of like reminding us like, no, 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 like America, the beautiful, like, like our land is so lovely. Mm -hmm. Like our physical nature is just really beautiful and so i love that book too that's on my list i gotta i need to read that okay so i picked a couple of books set in america so like if you were i've got two books set in maine the first book is called the next great jane this is by kj going this is a new children's chapter book of all things but children's lit is something i've really gravitated towards during the time of corona and I adored this book about a young aspiring writer named Jane who lives in Maine and her dad is a, oh gosh, like a, he's a biologist, but I guess more of a marine biologist. He works from a boat. So you really get these great scenes and information kind of about environmental science, but in a way that's really captivating and interesting. And there are also, the book also almost exists as an homage to Jane Austen because we get some references to that because Jane is a young writer. And so I really loved this book and it made me want to go to Maine so badly. It talks about lobster and I love lobster. Uh, So it's called The Next Great Jane by KJ Going. And then if you want to maybe go a more adult lit route, although I really do think grownups will like The Next Great Jane, I love the book Maine by J. Courtney Sullivan. It is set right on the coast of Maine. I've always wanted to be one of those people who has like a like a second home or like a second home in your family, which, oh, which you have, you have that. You, I'm yeah. realizing as I'm, <laughs> as I'm talking out loud, but like this kind of family home place that has been in a family for generations. And in this book, there are these sisters and their family has this kind of seaside coastal home in Maine. And I 
I don't know, it just makes you, even though I grew up going to the Florida Gulf Coast and kind of visiting there, I love this idea of like an old family home and where you go every summer and it's just this place becomes a part of who you are. And then my last pick for Americana traveling is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I finally read this for the first time. Have you read this? Yes. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. I read this for the first time a year or two ago. It is the book that you're supposed to read if you're from Florida. Like it's the Florida book. And I grew up in Florida and I was born and raised there. And so I finally, finally read it. And I can't believe it took me so long. This book is gorgeous. There's nothing new I could say about it that hasn't already been said. It is profound. I also really love books. When I was making my list of things I wanted to, books I wanted to talk about, I, during the summer, and I've said this many times on this podcast, I do not want to read books set anywhere cold. I just don't. It's a bajillion degrees here. (laughs) I just, I will happily cozy up with a wintry, snowy book in the winter. But when it is 100 degrees and your door has swollen shut due to humidity, I'm just not interested in reading a cold weather book. And so one of the things I love about Their Eyes Were Watching God is because it is set in Florida, you feel the humidity, like you feel the stickiness and the steam. And it's set during hurricane season. And I just adore this book. I think it's fantastic. And it's a classic for a reason. So that's Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. What's your next category? Okay. My last category is a book for the home discoverer. Mm. And this is me just trying to be like kind to all of us since we can't actually travel. Like these books do a really good job of kind of rediscovering our actual homes. Mm. So my first one is Hannah Coulter by Wendell Berry. And I, I love Wendell Berry so much. (laughs) I know that you do. I love him deeply and I want to be his best friend, which is probably his worst nightmare because I know him so personally. You know what I'm saying? Did I tell you I've met him? Wait, what? (laughs) Why haven't we talked about this? I met him. So, okay, this is going to break your heart into a million pieces. I have only read Wendell Berry's poetry, but my brother is like an adoring fan, like an absolute adoring fan. And so at some literary conference or another, Wendell Berry was there like signing. He wasn't even signing his newest book because it hadn't been published yet. He was signing like posters. And I stood in line so that I could give my brother a signed poster for Christmas. Oh, what a great sister. Thank you. It was a really good gift. I'm not going to lie. How do we but, ever, how does anyone ever gift after that? I don't know. I'm a really good gift giver. I don't know if you knew that about me, but I'm really good. Like gift giver. Yeah. But I waited in line and but again, I am just not at the time, especially now I am, but at the time I was not really familiar with him at all. I only knew that he was like my brother's hero. And so I got up in line and I hate meeting famous people or authors. I always feel like a goob. And I was like, my brother adores you. Like, that's all I could say. I was like, I, cause I hadn't read any of his books. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I just need you to know that my brother is one of your biggest fans. And anyway, he was so delightfully quiet and shy seeming. And now that I know more about him and about his work, it totally makes sense. So I didn't mean to commandeer your description, but I did just want you to know I have met him and he is a delight. This is information I needed. Thank I don't know if I can finish, but I'm gonna try. (laughs) Okay. So Hannah Coulter is his fiction work Mm -hmm. and he writes about different people in this small town in Kentucky. And all of them are beautiful and wonderful. 
all of his fiction work should be read if I'm going to be super bossy right now. (laughs) But I love Hannah Coulter in particular because I love, well, I love it that it's from a woman's perspective, even though Wendell Berry's writing it. But her view on growing up on the same land and what, how she sees it over time and how she's always discovering something new and how with each life change, her home that remains the same changes. Mm. And so it's fascinating to watch because that's his whole bit is to, you know, like go home and cultivate your home, like mm-hmm. know where you live, know the land that you have grown up on, like things like that. And so he does a really beautiful job of just creating this character that notices that even though she's in the same place, she never gets bored. Mm. And that is a um, lesson for us. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I know she's fictional, but the only reason I don't call like, or I don't say this is all garbage and he's just like being idealistic is because it's him. Like that's the Mm -hmm. way he has lived. He went home and wrote books and like gross crops and, and there's something about like that. There's no restlessness in her in this book. Mm. It's just like this. She's always waiting for like to be odd and to be surprised by this land that she's always known. So like, even though she's in the same place, she's not necessarily finding comfort in the monotony of it, mm-hmm. but in the, like the wonder of like, what could come even here? Um, you should review books for a living. That was truly beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> so thank you. it was so good. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. If Wendell Berry, if you're listening, I would be happy <laughs> to review all your books. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> thank you. But I, I, I read that during quarantine. I read Hannah Coulter during um, quarantine again, and it was just so such a lesson to be like. I live on in a tiny neighborhood and what am I doing to be surprised or to put myself in a position to be surprised? Oh gosh. Okay. I may need to move. I'm just making a list as we speak. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to move that one to the top of my list. Cause I, when you said there was no restlessness in her, I was like, oh no, all that Annie B. Jones is right oh, now is, is restless. Like, that is like, <laughs> yes, I'm like right what now. is the prescription for this? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's Wendell Berry. I think it's Wendell. <laughs> all, of his, all of his fictional characters where he worked out what he actually believes. I think that's probably it. Okay. What's your second choice for that category? Okay. And the second choice is the Dutch house, which you oh, and I have just gone gaga over like, yes. when we're talking to each other. But, oh my gosh, I think the Dutch house is one of the most beautiful books I've read in just recent years, even. Mm-hmm. It's about a family that grows up in the Dutch house, essentially, and things happen, but it's, it's about the same family over time. I'm afraid of what to say about it. Cause there's so many important details that <laughs> oddly give it away. You know, it's like, yeah, careful. Um, yeah. I love kind of what you were saying about the books you were talking about, how like the importance of an actual place, like an actual house. Yes. And what that does to a family and what that does to like what happens when our legacy expands outside of each other and is actually in the places that we live, like the literal places. Yeah. How do we manage that when houses get sold and people die? And and they kind of talk about that through this book, like what a house does to a family. Mm. 
which I love. And if you listen to the audiobook, Tom Hanks reads it, which is a whole different level of God, I'm thinking about rereading it, but listening to it because I never did. I read the physical book and now I'm like, I think I want to revisit this book. I'm not a huge rereader, but I'm tempted with this one. And then I could listen to Tom read to me, which could be better. Let Tom reshape this book for you because it is, I can't get like just remembering because I read it, I think in January, maybe December, January. Mm -hmm. And I'm remembering just what it felt like to read that book made me want to be, this was pre- corona but like wanting it made me want to be home like I remember thinking like Mm -hmm. I want to do the work of having a place that is a sanctuary kind of like this house was for this family yeah but I obviously forgot that because now I'm like let's just (laughs) (laughs) read that lesson and promptly forgot (laughs) it very short-lived it was really beautiful in the moment but now it's like I just don't know Get me out of here. Yes. Okay. My last category is very different. This is truly like hot and steamy. Like if you just want to be in a sweltering place or you want to read what that is like, I've got three books. Um, The first is set in Morocco. This is Tangerine by Christine Mangan. This is kind of an unsettling book. Like it's kind of quietly like building to something, but you don't really know what. You just know that there are these two friends who – kind of met and were really close in college, but have not really seen each other since. And one of them lives in Morocco. And then the friend kind of winds up on the doorstep and has come to visit. But you know that the friend who lives in Morocco is not pleased to see her. And so there's this kind of underlying sense of what's going to happen here, what happened to this friendship. And it's all set in this backdrop of Tangiers in in Morocco. And I just remember distinctly feeling just oppressed by the heat of this book. And I, and I loved it. I think the writing is outstanding. It's a quiet book, but it's really good. Next, I would recommend Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. This book is set in South Africa and it's more, I mean, it's a memoir. um, And I think people maybe maybe by now, because it's been out in paperback a while, people understand that it's not like a funny haha book by this great comedian. Instead, it's really smart uh, book about growing up in South Africa and during and after apartheid and what that looked like and the impact it had on him and his relationship with his mom. And I think this book is so good. But, but I think because it is so good and because it's talking about these really complicated, interesting things, I think we forget that it's also kind of a, a love story to South Africa. And the setting plays such an important role in this book. And you can tell that South Africa really shaped who Trevor Noah is and his um, ideologies and where he came from. And then last, if you like want to feel like you're on a vacation, but also you want comfort in the fact that you're not on vacation, you could read a book about a vacation gone, gone horribly wrong. And I would recommend Do Not Become Alarmed by Molly Malloy. This is set in Central America. This family goes on a cruise, which I will read about a cruise because I will never go on a cruise. So I would much rather just read about one. Sure. Uh, I feel like I've watched too many, like, I don't know, 2020 or Dateline episodes where like something goes wrong on a cruise. I'm just not interested in that. And so, but I really liked this book by Molly Malloy where this family goes on a cruise and something goes terribly, terribly wrong. And so it's really stifling just kind of going along with this family on this journey and figuring out the repercussions of a horrific mistake and what happens to these children in this book. It's so good. Very much for fans of St. X, which came out earlier this year and which would also fall under this category of 
vacation's gone wrong. So like to make you feel better that you have to be at home, sure. remember how vacations- You could be on a bad cruise. Yeah, you could be on a terrible cruise where somebody gets kidnapped <laughs> and wouldn't that be wow. awful? So, so um, okay, before we wind up the episode, I did want to mention three books that are like on my personal TBR list this summer. The first is Another Brooklyn by Jacqueline Woodson. I love New York and I had a New York trip canceled in May and my heart is broken over it. And Another Brooklyn is a Jacqueline Woodson book that is sitting on my bookshelves. I specifically bought it a couple years ago and have never read it. And it is set in um, 1970s New York. So that is on my TBR The Jet Setters by Amanda Erie Ward. I think this might have been a Reese Witherspoon pick. It's got a very similar cover to Beach Read, so maybe I'm being, maybe I'm confused. But it is another kind of cruise book, but it doesn't look like a cruise gone wrong. It just looks like a cruise with a dysfunctional family. So it feels like it might have the vacationers vibes where this kind of 77-year-old matriarch insists that her children go with her on this cruise. And so I'm kind of there for a spunky matriarch. And then Here Comes the Sun by Nicole Dennis-Ben. This book is set in Jamaica. Uh, The protagonist kind of works at this resort. And I am very intrigued mostly by the beautiful striking cover. And so these are three books that I would like to read based on maybe vacations I wish I were taking and then just books that have been on my TBR list. And I think summer might be the time to tackle them. So where do you wish you were right now? Oh my goodness. Probably, I was supposed to be in Spain in May. Okay. And so there's a part of me that wants to say Spain just so I don't have to deal with the disappointment of not being in Spain. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, then I'd be fine. (laughs) Yes. But truly where I want to be is probably England, Scotland, but in the countryside. Okay. I want to rent a car and I want to drive along the coast and have... No responsibilities. Mm, that sounds <laughs> lovely. That sounds great. And see all the yeah. flowers and it not be 100 degrees. Yes, yes. I, yeah, I wear a summer jacket, you know? Oh, God, don't you wish? I all the time, I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now just because in my home, Jordan is not here. And so I have bumped down the air to pretend it is cold out, like like to pretend that I'm the kind of person who can wear shorts and a long sleeve tee when the reality <laughs> is that this is not the community for that. Like I'm not in a geographical location where that makes any sense at all. Right. And that is why I think my, where I wish I was right now is Maine. I really do. It wasn't on our list. Like Jordan and I were supposed to go to Utah this summer for our kind of yearly vacation. But instead I wish I was like in a lakeside home, like one of those cozy cabin situations and where I could have a view of the coast. Maybe there's a hammock. And yes, the requirement is that you need a sweater in the evenings. I just, people whose summer requires a sweater, I'm envious of you. I mean, come on. What a dream. What a dream. Um, This has been a dream. Thank you for talking travel books with me. Thank you for dreaming with me. This was so fun. It was so fun. What a joy. Thank you for inviting me. I loved it. Of course. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. 
Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Morgan, what are you reading? I'm reading The World Will Be Saved by Beauty by Dorothy Day. Mm, that title. I you, got me, you got me by that title. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. You can also listen to our bonus episode about our literary London trip. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.